Welcome to the Labor Force Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Struken, proud member of New York State United Teachers, celebrating 50 years this year. The company wouldn't play ball, so the UAW called another strike. Last night, 8,700 auto workers at Forest Kentucky Truck Plant in Louisville walked out, significantly escalating the ongoing labor disputes against Detroit three automakers. The strike affected Ford's largest and most profitable plant, which produces heavy-duty F-Series pickup trucks and Ford and Lincoln SUVs. Here's Sean Fain on pulling the trigger. President Fain, can you give us an idea of what went down this afternoon that motivated the strike action against Ford? I understand you were very displeased. I also understand you may have something said something to the effect of no bucks, no trucks. Can you, uh, can you fill us in on that meeting with Ford today? Well, no bucks, no trucks sounds like a chant of the membership that works hard down there at Ford and, and all over the UAW, all over this country. And, um, you know, it's frustrating. Um, really, uh, we have been at the table every day. Um, the vice presidents, the bargaining committees, have been working so hard to bring an equitable and fair agreement to the membership. And so, uh, honestly, uh, they asked us to meet tonight. Um, we went to meet, and they gave us the same uh, same uh, offer that they gave us two weeks ago. Really no progress. And um, so we really felt like we had no option but to escalate it. And um, so... Uh, you know, we've had members out there for 30 days almost on the line now. And, um, you know, our members deserve their fair share. These corporations have made, uh, you know, billions and billions of dollars in the last decade. And uh, we, we want our fair share. Our members deserve, and the working class in this country deserve, economic and social justice. So we had to make a decision tonight. So we did. In a statement, Ford called the strike expansion grossly irresponsible, but said it wasn't surprising given the UAW leadership statements that it wanted to keep Detroit automakers hobbled with industrial chaos. During a meeting with Ford executives, Fain inquired if the company had a new offer. While Ford discussed the possibility of bringing electric vehicle battery plants into the UAW national contract, there was no substantially different economic offer. In response, Fain stated, You just lost Kentucky truck plant. The meeting only lasted about 15 minutes. I'm sure you have seen the the statement out of Ford tonight that they sent out to everybody that included that in the UAW's own words, Ford's offer is the best on the table. Do you dispute that this is the current best offer on the table from all three of these? It really depends on what aspect you're looking from. I mean, each of the three have an offer on the table, and each of the three have different nuances to it. So, I mean, I'm sure Ford feels theirs is the best, but... Regardless of which one's on the table right now, it's not its not where our membership needs to be. And so, uh, you know, when, when these companies made a quarter billion dollars profit in the last, or a quarter trillion dollars profit in the last decade, and, um, you know, CEO pay has skyrocketed and um, uh, car prices have skyrocketed, um, our members have went backwards. And so uh, we got to do what we got to do. And unfortunately, the company chose to take this route. Uh, we wanted to have an agreement by the deadline, September 14th. But uh, unfortunately, the companies don't want to get there. And... Um, this is about the membership. It's always been about the membership, and it, it will always be about the membership. The strike follows four weeks of walkouts against General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis. The UAW has been demanding better wage offers and benefits for workers, including defined benefit pensions and health insurance upon retirement. The strike's escalation aims to increase pressure on Ford, with some experts suggesting that Fain may consider a full strike involving all 57,000 Ford members if needed. Despite some progress in recent talks and a decision not to add more plants, contentious issues, 
including the union's demands regarding battery plants, remain unresolved. The strikes have led to layoffs in plants not directly affected by the walkouts, causing financial strain on the automakers. And let's just say that some would want to see all plants go out at once in a complete and total shutdown, but then the strike fund only goes so far. The company knows that. Then it becomes this war of attrition that multi-billion dollar companies would usually win. So I continue to applaud this stand-up strategy. It's keeping the companies guessing as intended and having an effect. Even the Kentucky workers themselves were surprised, but they had prepared. And once they got the call, out they went. Well, Alex, I can tell you there are still some four Kentucky truck plant workers standing at each gate holding signs chanting UAW, some even sitting in lawn chairs. And as the cars go by, they have been honking their horns in support. Horns blaring and dozens of Ford Kentucky truck plant workers chanting down Chamberlain Lane as they officially go on strike. It came by surprise when the local 862 president, Todd Dunn, received a call from the national UAW president at 5.38 p.m. wanting KTP to join the strike. They're behind us as we're calling on Kentucky truck plant to stand up. Uh, we're dialed in. In August, union members practice a picket line, hoping for better pay and benefits before the contract expires September 14th. That didn't happen, and now nearly 8,700 workers are walking off the job. We all want to get back to work. We all want to get a contract. It's time for Ford Motor Company uh, to come the rest of the way to the table and work with our, our national negotiators. Striking workers will receive $500 a week from the union strike pay fund. Although they didn't want to strike, workers like David Ferkins say they hope this catches Ford's attention. So by shutting this plant down, it's just showing Ford that we're not playing around no more. We gave concessions and they never gave back. We're wanting a fair day's work for a fair day's pay. We just want what we're owed back. You know, we want our cost of living raises back. We want raises in our pension. You know, we want health care for all the ones that hired in after 2007 when they retire. KTP produces the F-Series Super Duty Expedition and Lincoln Navigator, generating $25 billion a year in revenue. But workers say they will strike until they get what they need. It'll last as long as it has to for us to get a fair and equitable contract. And every worker deserves to be treated as a human being, not just a machine. And it's all in how you ultimately frame it if you're the bought media who runs ads by these automakers. And of course, the UAW is selling Fane's Eat the Rich t-shirts for monstrous profit. <laughs> Would you characterize this as a drastic move tonight? I mean, Kentucky Truck seems to be uh, one of Ford's most lucrative producing plants. Those, those vehicles are not inexpensive that come out of there. Is this from a tactical point, your way of striking a really serious blow here? Yeah, I don't I don't call it a drastic move. I, I call it, you know, um, look, we have tried. We have we we have been very clear from day one of these companies that we're going to do things different in the UAW now. It's a new UAW. And that we expect them to come to the table and get these things done early. They chose not to bargain for almost seven weeks. And uh, they didn't really get serious to the last week. So I don't really call this, you know, you know, a, a drastic thing. I, I just call it that we've we've been patient. We have tried to do the right thing. We've tried to escalate things on a on a calculated manner. But uh, at this point, when two weeks later we're getting the same offer we got two weeks ago, um, it's unacceptable. So we have to do what we have to do. How are the sales of those Eat the Rich T-shirts going? Um, I, I wish I was selling them because I know we'd be making a lot of money right now. But uh, you'd have to ask the shirt vendors that are selling them. But um, 
you know, um, uh, you know, this is about the membership, and that's that's really everything we do right now. It's it's not about me. It's not about the executive board. This is about the members, and it's about the working class, not just in this country, but in this world. Everyone's going through the same thing. Um, you know, profits have skyrocketed. CEOs and everyone are doing great, but uh, the working class people keep falling behind. And so, this is it's our time to to change this and turn it around. So next, we see what Fain announces in his Friday update tomorrow. In other news, SAG-AFTRA tweeted overnight, To our fellow SAG-AFTRA members, It is with profound disappointment that we report the industry CEOs have walked away from the bargaining table after refusing to counter our latest offer. We have negotiated with them in good faith, despite the fact that last week they presented an offer that was shockingly worth less than they proposed before the strike began. According to Reuters, one issue of contention is a SAG-AFTRA demand for a share of streaming revenue delivered as a bonus to cast members. The AMPTP said the proposal would, quote, cost more than $800 million per year, which would create an untenable economic burden. SAG-AFTRA countered that the AMPTP had overstated the cost by 60% and accused the studios of bully tactics. The union also said studios refused to protect performers from being replaced by AI while the AMPTP said it had promised to obtain actors' consent before using any digital replicas of their likenesses. On issues such as general wage increases and residuals for high-budget streaming shows, the AMPTP said it had offered the same terms that were ratified by the WGA and the Directors Guild of America, I'm sure, but the SAG-AFTRA rejected them. And yesterday, Amazon workers walked out of the one and only unionized Amazon warehouse in the country on Prime Day. Via X, Today, members of the ALU Democratic Reform Caucus participated in a two-hour walkout at JFK 8 in Staten Island. We picketed in front of the warehouse, calling on Amazon to raise our wages, return profit sharing, and return bonuses. The eternal struggle continues, but that last word is absolutely key. It continues. I want to end with the perspective of Professor Richard Wolff, who in this clip talks about the inanity of top-down workplace structures that create ludicrous imbalances. Indeed, you can check them out at the aptly named Democracy at Work. I sometimes say to joke that the kings cleverly outsmarted those of us who were against monarchy. They changed their name from king and hid out inside corporations with a new name, CEO, Chief Executive Officer. Wow. And that person runs the company, tells pretty much everybody else what to do. Okay, that's one way to run a business. Just like having a king was one way to run a country. But do you have to? No. No, you don't. And here we have some help from history. Because for thousands of years, human beings have wanted to organize work, the enterprise, the workshop, the factory, the office, the store, in a democratic community sort of way. Not top down. Nobody giving everybody else orders. Everybody equal. I know groups of lawyers who work that way in their partnership. No one lawyer is the dominant one. They wouldn't allow it. 
I know engineers who left big corporations out there in Silicon Valley, California, and got together with others like themselves with laptops in somebody's garage and set up a new business in which everybody was equal. Everybody came to work at the same time with their laptop, with their toddler, with their Frisbee, with their pet, and they all got to work and they did everything in committees. Monday to Thursday, they worked on their software projects and Friday they had meetings to decide how to run their enterprise. And all decisions were made, one person, one vote, majority rules. Okay, they got rid of their king. Sort of the way the United States did when it broke away from the British Empire, rejected George III and didn't set up a local king, it wasn't King George Washington, it was a completely different system, no king. And we never had a king since. And it sure didn't seem to hamper the United States that it had no king. And it will not hamper the business of producing goods and services and distributing them if we don't have kings inside each enterprise anymore. So yes, I believe it's possible. I believe human beings for thousands of years have tried to do it. You can find records of worker co-ops all the way back. So when people say to me, as they sometimes do, well, business has always been set up this way. No, it hasn't. People have walked away from that kind of business to set up democratic community arrangements for getting work done throughout history. Here in the United States, I'll give you two examples. The Shaker community, a religious Protestant sect, and many monasteries around the world are collections of people who work democratically at producing something. One person, one vote, they decide. Wow. This is sort of interesting because it shows that there's a part of the human experience that wants this kind of work community. We don't allow dictators and kings in the residential communities where we live. Why should we allow them in the workplace communities where we work? So thanks for listening. If you'd like to support the show, you can find Labor Force on Spotify for podcasters and select a level, starting at just a dollar a month. Also, please share, rate, and review to help others find the show. You can listen anywhere you get your podcasts. And speaking of listening and broadening your worker contact, the Labor Force podcast is now affiliated with the Labor Radio Podcast Network, an indispensable labor source where you can find many more shows like this one. You can check it out at laborradionetwork.org. Until next time. Take care and stay union strong.